0: Successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Everybody over there. Get a there Everybody out there. Get into it. Ooh. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome, your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go, even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Real Nation Show. I am your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining me today on KMBZ 980 a.m. and on podcast. If you're listening via podcast or on our website, realnationshow.com, hope you're having a great week. It's great to be back with you today. Very excited about today's show. As always, you can connect with me on social media at Jason Grill on Twitter or Jason Grill on the uh, other Instagram. LinkedIn, or on Facebook. Just search for my name. Great to be back with you all today. Very excited about our guest today. We're going to bring on now Dr. Rodney Smith, who is the Vice President for Access and Engagement at William Jewell College. The website is www.jewell.edu. That's Jewell with two L's. Uh, he leads the college's Uh, intensive inclusivity efforts and uh, we've never had him on the show we have had folks on in the past from William Jewell but I'm very excited to have uh, Dr. Smith on to learn about him and to learn about what he is doing now at William Jewell College as he's fairly new uh, to the college but has been around Kansas City for a while now welcome to the show Dr. Smith how are you today?
1: Thanks uh, thanks Jason yeah I'm doing well thanks for having me on the show great yeah I'm doing well absolutely
0: so, um, you uh, tell us about your background, where you're from, uh, kind of how you got to William Jewell, and, and what you've done in your career.
1: Wow, it's a long story. Where 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 should I start? Where I grew up in South yeah, Carolina. Yeah, kind
0: start of, where you come from because I like to know where the we like to paint a a painting here before we get into kind of the meat and bolts of the show. To know where you're from and kind of how you right. got to Kansas City.
1: Yeah, so I, I grew up in South Carolina on the coast, uh, Georgetown, South Carolina, which is. Uh, 30 miles south of Myrtle Beach. Um, so in, in many respects, it's a suburb of Myrtle Beach, and then it's about 60 miles north of Charleston, South Carolina. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a beach bum. <laughs> I grew up on the water. In fact, my mom and dad still live there about 10, not not even 10 miles, five miles from the waterfront, um, you know, but ended up They're going local, to.
0: The local university, Costa Carolina is having a great football season. I've been, yeah, I've been following if, it very closely. The in Chant- fact, they're
1: the Santa is- Clairs. <laughs> yeah, they are that. In fact, that school is about 30 miles from where I grew up uh, in Conway, South Carolina. Yeah, so yeah, that um, I grew up just 30 miles from um, Coastal Carolina University. Um, and yeah, it's on the coast. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a beach bum um, and I love that area of the country. But uh, you know, found my way. In the Midwest, um, but by way of, I went to undergrad in Atlanta um, at Morris Brown College, which is a small private historically black college that's a part of the Atlanta University Center. You, you had uh, Morehouse College, Spelman College, Clark Atlanta University, and Morris Brown made up the, the undergrad institutions of the consortium, the then left there and went to grad school in Tennessee. In Nashville, um, at Tennessee State University, where I did a master's degree as well as a doctoral degree at Tennessee State, and then ended up moving to Kansas City in 2011. Um, before moving to Kansas City, I was working at Belmont University in in Nashville, very similar to Jewel, a little bit bigger now, but similar beginnings, a small, private, uh, liberal arts, connection to the Baptist Convention, all those kinds of things, so some parallelisms yeah some parallelisms there but ended up moving to kansas city in 2011 um my wife was originally from kansas city she grew up on the kansas side um, hold that
0: or hold that against her rodney (laughs) well
1: yeah i didn't realize it was such a big thing this kansas missouri thing happening until moving to the area yeah
0: so you uh yeah and and it's funny how sports kind of I understand Belmont university because I believe they beat KU once in the tournament at some point or in early years when they were a basketball team, or maybe I don't even met, might've been Mizzou. I went to Mizzou law school, but you know, you, you, you remember these names of these universities through a lot of their, uh, the sports teams, basketball yeah. or football. Yeah. But I definitely have heard of Belmont, obviously understand the, the Atlanta and Nashville areas. Um, there's always a story usually about a significant other that, uh, <laughs> from Houston city and, uh, so it's great to have you. Also, it looks like, um, you know, you were at UMKC for quite a while, too, right? Yep.
1: Uh, and I, so when I moved to Kansas City, I landed at UMKC um, and was there up until 2018. I started at UMKC in 2012, I think it was. And uh, I was there. Well, I'm still there, actually, in an adjunct role. I still, yeah. teach, I still teach two courses at UMKC in the evenings, um, courses relative to you know, this notion of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, sort of type of courses I specialize in, if you will. Yeah, and and you also,
0: um, one of the things, we have a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs on the show. You started your own consulting firm, Sofix Solutions, uh, a change management consulting firm that's based here. Tell us about that because it's interesting. Uh, I like people that have have balanced a lot of balls and and juggled a lot of balls (laughs) in their career, and it seems like you have and started your own company
1: as well. Yeah, my wife and I—we started a company. In fact, we started a company, Jason, back in Nashville, actually, um, back in 2007. And but when we moved here in 2011, you know, it kind of went dormant a minute because we were new to the community. Um, even though she grew up here, she was still new and in, in, as an adult in a professional role. So it sort of it sort of lay dormant until about 2016. And we started doing some work with various organizations in a consulting capacity, doing some public speaking and things of that nature. Um, I even I even wrote a book and published a book under the company's name, things of that nature. Um, wow. And it just started kind of snowballing, man. Here in the last uh, few years, especially this year, you know, even considering all the challenges that we've been confronted with, I mean, be it COVID or otherwise. But there seems to be an appetite for more conversations in and around this idea of diversity, equity, inclusion. Yes, and so, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so we've been um, extremely busy this year, which is a good thing that people are leaning into a historically taboo conversation. You know?
0: mm-hmm. That is great. Uh, we have a minute left in the first segment. Let's just kind of, before we get into kind of what you're doing uh, with with some of the things that with Opportunities Without Barriers initiatives at William Jewell, just kind of we have a minute. Just tell us how that how that opportunity arose and kind of what your focus is with with Jewel. Yes.
1: Yeah. So in fact, we were consulting with Jewel in a in, in uh, with our consulting company. We were consulting um, with the you know as you describe as the intensive inclusivity initiatives and and, and thinking thinking through that and then in materializing into a full time opportunity. You know, I'd been in higher education for the past twenty five years of my life and had always had aspirations of being you know, at a, a senior level uh, position at, at, a, at a college or university. And I'm really attracted to Jewel because, you know, most of the schools that I've worked for were all small private schools. In fact, UMKC was the first time I'd been to a, you know, public, you know, state-supported school. Belmont, uh, prior to that, I was at Fisk University, a small private historically black college. Prior to that, you know, Clark Atlanta, Morris Brown, my alma mater, and all small private schools. So I'm, you know, I'm partial <laughs> to small private schools. So I always have my eye on here, um, for the, you know, for that fact, but also for its quality. I mean, There's it, it, it is a quality. I, I think the best education in the metro Doctor Smith, we're
0: gonna start there after the break. Thanks for joining us today on the Grill Nation show. We'll be right back.
1: Give me a second I I need to get my story straight my friends are in the bathroom getting higher than the Empire state my lover she is waiting for me just across the hall Hello and welcome back and to
0: the Real Nation by show by I'm your host Jason Grill thanks for listening today on 980 AM or if you're joining us via podcast we greatly appreciate it or on our website, grillnationshow.com, where you can find all of our shows and our supporters. If you want to support the show or be on the show, just reach out to me, jgrillmedia at gmail.com. Again, joined today by Dr. Rodney Smith. He is the Vice President for Access and Engagement at William Jewell College. The website is jewell, that's with two L's.edu. Uh, Dr. Smith, welcome back. I want to talk to you about kind of, we stopped kind of with your, your work at William Jewell. You mentioned you were a consultant there. or or you worked with them as a consultant, and now you have a a senior level role that we're gonna get into. Kind of talk to us about what your role is and kind of what you do at William Jewell.
1: Yeah, so uh, access and engagement, I I look at it. Well, you can also look at my position as the chief diversity officer for the the college. Um, But I I really was attracted to this idea of access and engagement because I think in, in a lot of ways, it expands beyond just this notion of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, all those kinds of things. It talks about providing access for people, not just students, but for the community um, to engage with our campus in a more intimate way than perhaps we have in the past. And and so those are some of my responsibilities, um, ensuring that um, the, the college has visibility, if you will, in the community um, but also ensure that the community has connection to the college. And, you know, so, but, you know, this notion of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, it, it's perhaps another one that we don't talk about as frequently, but I think it's just as important, though, perhaps the glue to all of why we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Those are, you know, overarchingly some of the high points of what I do. Um, but, uh, you know, I can get into some of the granular things of what we're trying to put together Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know if, well, if you, you like,
0: yeah, for our listeners who might not have ever been there, is in, uh, is in Liberty and uh, take us kind of through that. I mean, it, it's 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 kind of closer to the downtown area. My I, I was the last time I was there actually was for a actually on the campus walking around was for a, a high school, a seven on seven camp that I was in, and that was a long time ago. A doctor, I've been there many times around it, but actually walking the grounds,
1: yeah. But to your point, yeah, it's a small private school, um, you know, right under a thousand students, and we're in Liberty, Missouri, which is you can consider the suburb of Kansas City, just north of the city, um, just east of the airport, if you will. Um, yeah, and so it's a, a small, you know, town, if you will. The the school sits at the at the top of a hill of a uh, Liberty Square, the old downtown square. Um, you know, it's just a beautiful setting, um, yes, it is. small town. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you, you get a chance to see vintage, various vantage points, if you will, get yeah, vistas, vistas from the <laughs> campus, <laughs> from so, the campus. Uh,
0: yeah. So, so you got these beautiful vistas. And one of the things that you're working on, uh, and the college is working on is, is an initiative called opportunities without barriers. And, it involves kind of changing in tuition costs. Talk to us about the why and and, and, and the what that is and, and, and why you just why they're doing it at William it.
1: Yeah, you know, we discovered that and other schools around the country have been doing a very similar thing, but we discovered that, you know, our price tag was different from what families ended up really paying. You know, there's a discount rate that and, and most people really don't consider or understand this notion of it. There's a discount rate where you know, you have a, a listed tuition cost, but typically most families, especially when you're talking about private schools, most families will not pay that sticker price. There's going to be a discounted rate be it through some sort of financial assistance from the college or university, coupled with whatever, if you qualify for, you know, federal financial aid and all those things. So minus that amount, you know what I mean? So typically, you know, a, a family is not, Gonna pay anything close to that. So we decided, why not just advertise the the real price, the actual price, as opposed to the the supposed price. And I yeah. think it's the sticker price. You know, you know. I think in some ways, philosophically, you know, people had this mindset that uh, a certain price um, rendered a certain level of prestige. You know, we. I think it is an American condition that we. You know, we we often say this thing: you get what you pay for. So if you pay more, you think you're getting more. Yeah, well, uh, that's true to a certain extent. <laughs> but we we, we 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 want students because I I still think that again that Jewel offers a top-notch quality education. You know, I would argue in the country. Um, you know, but we wanted to make sure that because a lot of families will look at a sticker price and not even entertain the school because of the sticker price and move on to other schools that suit their sticker price. It's similar to if you're trying to buy a home or trying to buy, in fact, a quick quick story, if you don't mind. (laughs) The house that I'm living in now was a similar situation. I was looking at a a house across the street and I was looking at another house up the hill and the guy who was selling this house ran out and said, hi, you looking at houses there? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, why aren't you looking at mine? I was like, well, it's out of my price range. It wasn't you know, and so he ended up discounting the house to come down into the price range we negotiated, and so it ended up I ended up buying the house because he had some wiggle room <laughs> to <Yeah>. discount <laughs> to that's discount like, the house <laughs> I wish more people money would run into their house <laughs> but that house. that's how I think of it, you know is that yeah. what's what the price is, but what you're willing to you know sell it for. <laughs> But you know I think, but I think at the same time, we understand, especially in regards to this conversation around providing access for those who historically hadn't hadn't had access to a, a place like a william jew um and and the connections to you know diversity and economics, right, this notion of many people of color and ethnicity will fall into the lower economic brackets, right yeah. you know, that's just a matter of fact, right. Um, and so, the, especially if we're trying to attract those types of families, we really have to do a better job of um, attracting them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the, the, the ticket price could be one of those ways of attracting them, along with the quality education we're providing, along with the wonderful experience your, your child or your student will have once on our campus. Well, the tuition
0: um, recast initiative, I mean, we're talking about almost half the cost before aid. One of the other things you guys have done in, in addition to removing the financial barrier at, at William Jewell College is, again, in, intensive inclusivity. You've moved to a holistic admissions process. Um, yeah. What is that?
1: Well, the holistic admissions process is just really old school admissions process where we're considering more than just and test scores. You know, we would invite students in to have an interview. We're looking at a writing sample. We're looking at whether you had some leadership opportunities. Um, where you went to school and leadership roles, even in your family, leadership roles that you play if you're responsible for your younger brother or sister in the afternoon. I mean, I think that those are, you know, indicators that you have leadership potential. Um, And it doesn't always translate. Those kinds of, you know, attributes don't always translate on um, grade point averages in test scores. And so we want to look at a student holistically. And so, yeah, the holistic... um, the holistic admissions process includes, you know, again, I, I would I would say it's an old school approach to admitting students to school where we're interviewing them, you um, know, writing samples, we're uh, taking recommendations. You're, from, you're,
0: you know, you're looking at more than just the standardized test, which I wish more people. Ab- did more
1: absolutely, absolutely, because we recognize as an academician, as someone who's been in, a, in the academy for 25 years, we we're now discovering that many of our supposed you know, test scores or college readiness test scores are not really assessing whether students are ready for college. They're only assessing whether the student can take that test well. <laughs> That's yeah. just what they, there's no, it, they're, they're not really a really good indicator whether a kid would do well in college or not.
0: You know? Yeah, and one of the other things you all have done, if I'm looking at your website, is designing, you've designed a summer bridge program which helps students that come from different backgrounds transition from high school to college. and You've also uh, increased the, Grants and scholarships for access through the shape of the future grants. You're not only you've got more grants and access, but also a summer bridge program, which I think is kind of cool.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. A summer bridge program where we're helping students. Many of the students who are first generation, right, bridge the gap between high school and college, because especially if you're a first generation student, you may not have someone in your family that can help you navigate that that jump. You know, bridge that gap, and so we do. I would describe as intensive mentorship, where we surround these students with people, um mainly current students. You know, so we a part of a part of the Shape the Future program, we have uh, student guides, is what we call them. They're current students at jewel who serve as, you know, in layman's terms, big brothers, big sisters to students who are currently enrolled in this. You know, Sacred Future Summer Bridge program. And it is year round uh, activities, uh, you know, uh, even intervention, if you will, with these students outside of the classroom, and, you know, helping them figure out things like, you know, a big part of what I've been dealing with the students with, I me mean, personally, um, the, the Summer Bridge students, uh, you know, the Sacred Future students is identity development. You know, we often talk about you go to college to find yourself. And so we have to begin that conversation with students, helping them realize who they are, you know, and how it will contribute to your experience on college and not just your experience in college, but your, the rest of your life. You know? I love and it. So,
0: yeah. I love these approaches because they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're looking at the entire, entirety of the situation. And uh, I think we need more of that. Dr. Rodney Smith is our guest on the Grill Nation show today from William Jewell College. He's the vice president for access and engagement. He leads the college's intensive inclusivity efforts. We'll be right back after the break with more Grill Nation.
1: Feeling my way through the darkness Guided by a beating heart I can't tell where the journey will end But I know where to
0: start Hello and welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us again today on 980 AM or if you're listening on podcast networks, we greatly appreciate it. Or at our website, grillnationshow.com. Great show today with Dr. Rodney Smith from William Jewell College, the Vice President for Access and Engagement. William Jewell is in Liberty, Missouri. Their website is jewel, with two jewell.edu. Dr. Smith, you really focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion work throughout your entire career and a lot with, with, with universities and colleges. Talk to us about kind of how, you mentioned at the top, how that has really grown this year, especially, but you're really trying to work on growing diversity among students, faculty, and staff. And you've done that a little bit with your upcoming class, incoming class. Kind of talk to us about your focus and how that's, you know, really kind of grown at William Jewell.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the research, uh, overarchingly, not just at Jewel, but overarchingly, even not just in education, in the business World in the business community, you know, has been really, you know, kind of painting the picture that a more diverse workforce is a more productive workforce, even to the bottom line of an institutional organization. Um, meaning, you know, it, it's, it makes good business sense. Not only perhaps is it the right thing to do to sort of right some of the wrongs of history, but it is also it makes good business sense. Uh, you know, I, you know, they're Know, several quotes that you can find from CEOs of diverse, you know, organizations and institutions that would argue that a diverse organization is far more productive than a homogenous one, any and every day because you have a multitude of perspectives. Um, and that's why diversity is so important, not just diversity, but inclusion, including the diversity that you, you have. And I think in some measures, um, you know I, I, and i don't mean this flippantly jason i think the conversation though in some cases is if i can make up a word oxymoronic <laughs> because <laughs> um, because diversity of humanity really just is i mean humanity is already really diverse our challenge is uh, we've sometimes ignore that diversity <laughs> because again humanity is already extremely diverse and I often jokingly say you know we, we rarely have ever walk outside you see a be- beautiful bed of flowers with a variation of flowers in that bed and say oh look at that beautiful diverse bed of flowers you don't say we, we don't say things like that right no because because we understand innately that vegetation is extremely diverse but so too is humanity <laughs> and we just need to do a better job of recognizing that and I think that that's what the work that we're about at Jewel is getting after this notion of this intensive inclusivity, this work around diversity, equity, inclusion, because at the end of the day, we're trying to help students find a sense of belonging. I've come to the conclusion that once a student finds a sense of belonging where they don't have to fight for place and space, then the learning can take place. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I often say that belongingness is the lubricant for learning, right? If you if you if you don't have to worry about finding a place and space for yourself, then your brain then can free itself up to do the academic work that you're there to do. Um, and so that's simply, in, in in a nutshell, what we're after. We're trying to provide a space to where students find a sense of belonging on our campus, no matter what background they come from.
0: You have increased enrollment uh, very much so with diverse, uh, and diversity and inclusion. It looks like you're, you're, uh, you're, this is the most diverse class in dual history at 31% students of color. 36 are including transfer students uh, yep. in fall 2020 class.
1: Yeah, so it's already happening, you know, my, my, it's it's
0: with the size of the college and with kind of the the area we live in and the fact that you've really kind of done this well
1: so far already. But it's a testament, Jason, to whatever you give attention to, you give energy to, it will indeed grow. You know? Like that. Yeah. Um my my grandmother used to say that to me. She was she had a green thumb. She can grow anything. And I, I was always amazed by that. My great grandmother was like grandma, how can you just grow anything? She can snap off a piece of plant from your house and the next time you saw that plant it'd be a tree you know she just had this and she would always give these little nuggets of wisdom and say well baby anything you pay attention to will grow." that's kind of a
0: hard thing to do in today's society is people yeah. want you know it's, they want to be super successful overnight and it's really just about putting in the time
1: exactly yeah the time and attention the time and attention
0: as far that's- as putting in the time dr smith one of the things that um that I think you probably agree with is important is forging meaningful relationships. And, uh, I know you've been trying to, you've been doing that for years with communities of color in Kansas city and beyond kind of tell us how you, what, what are some of the best ways that you, you forge relationships or what are some of the things that you do to do that, uh, here locally and beyond?
1: Yeah, I I think, I think a big part of it is a mindset that, um, you know, you, you have to get proximate to people. You have to, have to, in other words, you have to have to be in a relationship with people, know people. Like, you know, I, I, I love the fact that you, in the beginning of the segment, you asked me where I was from and who I was, because it gets you, you know, an opportunity to know people and you find connections and you find synergy and you find commonality. And so I, that's 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 typically my goal with creating friendships and relationships with people, just finding that commonality because there is there's always some sort of commonality that you have with another individual, be it, you know, regional, you know, be it, you know, educational or background sports. I mean, we talked about the fact that we both like playing golf. I mean, there's a connection.
0: I'm trying to take the advice that you were sharing about putting more time in somehow, somehow when I put more time in, I don't, I don't play as well. uh, (laughs) No, but uh, you know, uh, but but anyway, so yeah I agree you gotta you gotta build relationships you gotta you gotta you gotta have that time and uh, and you're already doing that and you've done that with uh, in Kansas City in, in such an important area and then I, I noticed that William Jewell is also uh, you're creating an advisory board for these efforts uh, comprised of not only alumni, which is usually the case, but also you've included students, faculty and staff on that. In that effort, in order to inclus- uh, increase inclusivity on campus and beyond?
1: Yeah, so we're trying to model that diversity by doing that. You know, I mean, you have a diversity of thought, you have, you know, a multi discipline, a multi perspective, you know, even you a multi age range of people coming together to decide. Because I think too frequently, especially, you know, when you come talk about students um, or, or providing a campus, I think. We need to do a better job across the industry of education, not just at you. We need to do a better job of preparing our campuses for our students as opposed to the flip side. We, we've been uh, we've been concerned a lot with whether, whether our students are prepared for our campuses. We need to flip that paradigm and say that we need to make sure that our campuses are prepared for our students. And so how do you do that? Well, you have to include student voice. You have to get the student's perspective. You know, people, you know, this one of the guiding principles that I go by in my personal life and professional life is this notion of with, not for. You know, you're doing things with the community. You're having, you know, conversations with the community, not necessarily for the community. Even, even, I've even tried to, I don't, I'm not always successful with it, but I've tried to even have classes that I teach, a tentative, syllabus. Literally, and I try to really hone in on this notion of being tentative in that it's flexible. It can adjust to whoever's in the classroom. This notion of with the students in the classroom and not necessarily for, because a lot of times we think that we know what's best for the students. We don't. We have to get the student's perspective. So in other words, uh, we're trying to assemble a group of people so we can have a multitude of perspectives as opposed to always thinking that we can plan things for people without the people's perspective, who we're planning this thing for, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's the approach of this, you know, multi-discipline multi-identity approach to this work.
0: Also you uh, professional development support, correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, others. Absolutely. That's a excellent point, Jason, in that, um it's ongoing you know how do we become better that's why believe it or not you know I know we've been having a lot of conversations across the country about this idea of cultural competency i think that we've crippled ourselves by that conversation and i know that may sound a bit counterintuitive um because competency insinuates for some people that you're finished that you are completely competent in this area now and uh, now i'm ready to engage the culture is too dynamic to ever be fully competent. So some people will never feel competent enough to engage so they disengage. So we need people, we need everybody engaged in the conversation. So that's why I lean toward this notion of cultural humility, cultural reciprocity, uh, cultural exchange. It, 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 you don't have to have it all figured out to, in, to engage a fellow man. You know, we can learn along the way about ourselves. And we're always learning. And so this professional development piece that you're talking about is an opportunity to, to it's an ongoing thing. and never stops. Because, you know, I don't want to beat up too much on this notion of competency, because at the end of the day, competency is a stretch goal. We're always reaching for competency recognizing, realizing that we'll never get
0: there. Dr. Rodney Smith from William Jewell College, Vice President for Access and Engagement. We're going to be right back on the Grill Nation show here after the break with the final segment of the show. We'll be right back. It's been a long day without you, my friend and I'll tell you all about it when I see you again We've come a long way to our final segment of today's grill nation show i am jason grill thanks for listening i hope you're having a great day we appreciate you joining us each and every week and uh we'd love to hear from you so connect with us if you uh want to support or sponsor the show or if you uh have a great guest for the show we'd love to hear from you just go to grillnationshow.com today joined by dr rodney smith again vice president for access and engagement at william Jewell college he's also a uh, an adjunct faculty at UMKC and has started his own company with his wife. Uh, by the way, we never asked you about that, Dr. Smith. You all started a consulting firm with your wife, um, and you're still married. So congratulations.
1: <laughs> yeah. So,
0: uh, so, Hey, I got a quick question. You've been in, uh, in leadership roles and speaking on, uh, for many years to different audiences. Uh, what is kind of your proudest moment, uh, in that time as a leader what, what's your proudest moment maybe in your career and your uh, in your leadership roles that has made you the most proud
1: mm. wow jason that's a tough yeah. question man
0: you probably have a lot of them you probably my, have a lot of them but
1: my proudest you
0: gotta know, pick one thing that stands out what would that be
1: a proudest leadership moment oh man Eesh.
0: or maybe just uh, a proud moment in your career or, or in your life in general yeah, well,
1: well, uh, I I think a leadership moment is um I established a program at UMKC called a Men of Color Campus Initiative, and you know it was it's a program just designed for male students who were not doing well academically on the campus. And the thing about it is, Jason, we never really did anything academically related when we gathered as a group, <laughs> because I don't think that the issue was um, them having the aptitude or intelligence to do what it was necessary in the classroom. It was always centered around this notion of belonging, finding commonality, finding space and place, um, on campus. And I remember walking through campus one day, and I was having a pretty rough day and I don't have bad days, but I was having a bad day this particular day. This was a couple of years ago when I was at UNKC full time in the international center. And, uh, This one young man who was a part of the program, he came up to me and I was walking across the country, he said, you know, Dr. Smith, he called me Dr. Rodney. He said, Dr. Rodney, um, I need to ask you a favor. And I was like, okay, sure. Um, And he said, "I, I have a job interview, I need to get a haircut, but I don't have 20 bucks to get a haircut. And he said, can I borrow $20? And I was like, no, you can't borrow $20, you can have $20 because I don't want the $20 back. So I walked him to the ATM, and he said to me, he said, Doctor, Dr. Rodney, I'm not just saying this because you're about to give me $20. He was like, man, my experience on this campus would not be what it is if you were not here.
0: Wow. That is powerful.
1: I, You know, and I was like. It always, you,
0: happens, like, it always happens when you're having a bad day probably, right? It's yeah,
1: in not- these random, yeah, it was just random, you know. And so you're talking about, you know, leadership, I'd like to believe that that is a leadership story. You know, I mean, uh, just my presence, if you will. Yeah, right. Campus.
0: Okay, so I got a, I got a next one. That's a great story, uh, and we're we're taping today via Zoom, so it's great to see. You. We're going to do a sneak peek here in a second for our online and uh, social media listeners. Uh, what is some of the best advice maybe that you've ever received in your life or your career? I know you, you, your family's probably been an influence on you, but was there a mentor in your life that shared something with you uh, that you could share with us?
1: Yeah, it's it, it sort of, I think in some regards, to the, the beginnings of my ideas about, you know, my philosophy about this notion of competency versus humility, uh, I remember a mentor of mine saying, um, you don't have to have it all figured out before you get started. You know, a lot of times, you know, as someone who, you know, um, suffers from <laughs> This need for perfection, perfectionism. You want things to be perfect before you get started. And he would often say, you know, sometimes you have to build the plane while you're already in flight. <laughs> so it, sometimes it's best to just go ahead and take off and figure out the rest of it once you're airborne. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's some good advice. And I often tell students that, meaning I translated into some students kind of wreck their brains about having to decide a major as soon as they get to campus. And my argument is that I don't believe that's necessarily true anymore. I don't think it ever was true that you have to have it figured out. How? Why would we expect the 18 year old kid to know what they're gonna do for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. by deciding to major at 18? Why, yes. not give, <laughs> why not give them an opportunity to develop and find themselves, right? Then decide. What basic what area? Yeah, I, I feel
0: like Dr. Smith. I you evolve. I mean, every day in what your 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 life is. You know, I mean, I was an economics and poli person who went to law school, and now I do a lot of consulting, media, government affairs, and kind of practice the least law that I ever have in my career. Sometimes you just the experience and the journey is, is as important as kind of the the things you learn.
1: That's exactly right. Myself as well, Jason. My undergrad degree is in architecture. Oh, okay. You, Look you, at that. To your point, where, you know, I do nothing relative to architecture. Well, of course, you know, I would argue that we fact, use some of the, the principles.
0: Of I, I always thought it would be cool to be an architect. And uh, now that I've had more on this radio show uh, and, and seeing all the different places in the uh, the country and different buildings and stuff going up, I, sports stadiums, it's it's pretty interesting. So at least you know about that, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I still feel like I use some of those principles, believe it or not, you know. But I think, you know, if I had it all to do it all over again, and I love beautiful buildings and aesthetics and architecture, I mean, you're in a beautiful space right now, I'm sure. I'm in a beautiful space that was designed by an architect, and, you know, architects have purpose, but I don't think that it was my purpose, you know what I mean? (laughs) Let's
0: let's go off that. I mean... uh... You told us about yourself. What What would you say is a, is a word a word to describe Dr. Rodney Smith and one word to describe where you where you work now at William Jewell? If you could pick one of those two or just answer both, it'd be great.
1: Yeah, I would. A word to describe me has been my favorite word, just about my entire life, at least my adult life, is tenacious. Uh, tenacity, mm-hmm. meaning you go after your goals with spirit and vigor and you don't give up you know um that's i love it cha- i love a challenge sure. you know no it's one of my it. favorite words i even like the way the word sounds you know what i mean <laughs> tenacious tenacity i love the way the word sounds and i think the word for jewel at the moment what i'm feeling is progressive um, the campus is really moving forward um, and, and so that's that excites me progress is always good, right? We're always in progress of something.
0: That's great. And um, that kind of leads into our last question on the show today is kind of what does the future hold for you and for uh, for William Jewell? What are you what are you looking forward to?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I I think, um, you know, I think um, I I, I often describe when I tell people what I do, and I also, I, you know, tell people that I'm a, the chief diversity officer, but I also describe myself as the chief the chief hope officer. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, the future um, for me and for Jewel, I think, is filled with hope. And I don't mean this whimsical thing, this, you know, this, but I, I think that hopeful people are people of action. Um, people that recognize that you will be confronted with barriers where you will be confronted with challenges but we have what it takes to get on the other side. And I believe that we can do things to build hope by reliving and (laughs) pre-living. I like that. You relive, you know, the good moments and remember when things were working the way you want them to work. And then also imagine, you know, how things could be and should be in a positive direction. And so I think that... um,
0: That's a a great way to end the show, Dr. Smith. Dr. Rodney Smith, Vice President for Access and Engagement at William Jewell College. Appreciate you coming on the show today.
1: Absolutely. It was a lot of fun.
0: Thank you for joining us as well to the listeners. We will see you again next week. Have a great day and take care.